Welcome to Raise the Line from Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. In this special episode, we'll be talking to one of the winners of the 2020 Osmosis Raise the Line Faculty Awards. Only five were selected out of hundreds of nominations we received. Osmosis's engagement manager, Lindsay Smith, sat down with each of them to ask about their career, their methods, and their advice for future healthcare providers. Dr. Slipkoff, thank you for being here and congratulations on receiving one of our first Raise the Line Faculty Awards. If you wouldn't mind, please introduce yourself. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Mark Slipkoff. I am a, an associate professor of physiology at Idaho College of Osteopathic Medicine. I also serve as the vice chair of our biomedical sciences department, which more or less, it's all the PhDs at our school. So I'm in charge of that group as well, working under the, the chair, of course. So that's my current position. Excellent. I'm curious to hear more about your background. What got you started in teaching? Well, the education part was pretty linear up through uh, graduation from undergrad. So I was born in Anaheim, California, and then uh, you know did the, the linear path all the way to the University of California at Riverside. And I received my bachelor's of biology from the university there. And then I fortunately, I didn't really know what to do. I, I took the, I guess the default pathway for someone with, for someone with a science mind and I applied to medical school. Uh, fortunately, that did not happen. So I was forced to take a, a, a year off and during this year, I decided to sell everything, including my car. I quit my job, uh, same job I had all the way through college and high school, as a matter of fact. And I took, my, uh, I took myself to Africa. And so I, I put a backpack on and went solo to Malawi, a little sliver of a country in Eastern Africa. And I, I'm bringing this up because that was, that was the beginning of the nonlinear path of my life, but it also exposed me to a, a part of the world that I had never even appreciated. Growing up in the microcosm of Southern California, right? That was uh, I had to get away from that. So I think I finally snapped, and this was in my early twenties. And so I went ahead and, and went to Africa and roamed around there for a number of months. And then I came back to the states, and uh, the path was very convoluted. I started a biomedical engineering program at uh, I started in a biomedical engineering program at Boston University. So I went from Africa to Boston, and I found out that I wasn't too keen on spending a life working on machines. I really had appreciated uh, human beings. That's, that was the great part of Africa, of course, was the, just the humans that I met there. So I went ahead and moved away from Boston University and moved to New Mexico State University. I have a twin brother. He was pursuing his MBA there. So I jumped ship from BU and then went off to West, went back West to, Mex to New Mexico State. I still wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to do something in biology. I did have an undergraduate degree in biology, so I said, why not? So I approached the, uh, I walked into the biology building at New Mexico State University and then inquired, inquired about potential graduate student work under any professors. And sure enough, there was a new physiology professor there who took me under his wing. So I began a PhD program in biology under his wing in comparative animal physiology. Uh, that's, that's what I did there. So that was, I studied the cardiovascular and respiratory physiology of amphibians and of crocodilians. So that's, so I was on a research path more or less at New Mexico State University. 
but I was also a graduate teaching assistant. And this is where the teaching began. I ran anatomy and physiology labs, but I was also allowed to run my own course at New Mexico State. And I taught, so I was there about six years. And so I taught for six years there. And that's that really got the ball rolling for me with respect to teaching. And I'll circle around to that if asked about who's inspired me to teach because my PhD advisor was that, was that main person. So my teaching began there and then I dabbled in the private industry after, actually I did a postdoc. I, I did a very brief postdoc at University of Arizona, the medical school there. And then that lasted about a year. And then I went to private industry up in the Bay Area, worked for a biorad. And then I really want, I missed teaching. So I wanted to go back to teaching. So I started to apply. I was still single at the time. And sure enough, I went into the job apps in the, at the Chronicle and a new medical physiology teaching position opened up at a new medical school in Belize. So I said, okay, let's go to the Caribbean. <laughs> so, and I knew the, about the Caribbean schools. This was the booming air time of the Caribbean schools. So I went ahead and again, sold everything <laughs> and moved off to the Caribbean where I taught medical physiology for three years at a brand new medical school. And then after, I see, I told you this was gonna be long. So <laughs> this, is, this is the path it's taken. So I, uh, I taught down there for three years and then due to poor management, that school being a sister school of a school still out there in the Caribbean, it didn't, didn't make it. So I had to take my wife who was Belizean. So I moved down there, I met my wife down there. And then my daughter was also born in Mexico uh, adjacent to Belize. So I, uh, I had to find another job. So I found another teaching position and then we moved back up to the States. And so I was at the University of Tulsa for a year as a visiting professor. I uh, had, a, had a blast there. Um, and then I, it was a visiting, it was a temporary position. So I knew that that wasn't gonna last. So I wound up getting another job back in the Caribbean and I moved out to St. Lucia. So I was also teaching medical physiology at a school still out there and that Again, I continued my, my love of teaching out there. I didn't want to live in St. Lucia, however, because of the family. So I went ahead and became an administrator for this school. I became a dean for this school, uh, and I was based out of the Dallas area. Uh, administration was okay, uh, and I say that it was a big okay, only because I had really missed the teaching. So once again, I was in a position where I was not in the classroom, and I wanted to get back to teaching. And then this and, and my resume shows this, my CV shows this. This is a time where I, I dabbled, or not dabbled, I actually took another position in the community colleges there in the Dallas area. So I taught for about six years part-time and then full-time for a few years at a community college. And that's where I really, again, I discovered my love of teaching. I really enjoyed teaching at the community college level. These were pre-nursing students. And so I was teaching there at the same time as still kind of working in the Caribbean. And then I was just, I was ready to move more into a, a higher education. I, I guess I wanted to go beyond. I wanted to come back to medical school education and that landed me in a position at uh, AT Still University. So I didn't know much about osteopathic medicine and this was in 2014 where I made the jump to an osteopathic school. I was there for about four years teaching physiology again and then an opportunity came up at a new medical school in Idaho, that is ICOM, our school now. And I had the opportunity to uh, help start the program and start the curriculum and teach a lot in the new program. And that is where I have been for three years. So I, again, I've taught at all different levels, not high school, not elementary school. I don't know, that would be a tough one for me. 
but I have, yeah, I've just been exposed to a number, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of students over the years at various different programs. And that's it. And here we are 20 years later from getting my PhD and I'm still in the same, the same business. So that, it's a long story and there's a lot of different twists and turns, but it all has centered around uh, my love of, of educating. That's amazing. Your teaching has obviously inspired young professionals enough that a number of them nominated you for this award. But who or what inspired you to teach? Yeah, sure. So I, you know, we, I think we've all had probably good teachers, maybe elementary school and high school. And then I didn't really run into any memorable teachers as an undergraduate. I think, you know, like most big universities, you know, you didn't really get to meet your professors. And then I came to graduate school with the more personalized learning. And then I met Dr. Steve Warburton. I, so he, he was my PhD advisor and I had watched him. I watched him lecture in just a normal human physiology course, but watching him lecture and whittle down such complex material in, into simplistic words, but then using a lot of fun in the process. He's, he was very funny in front of lecture and the students adored him. And I, I just watched the way he did it. And he really began to inspire me to become, I think who I am today as, as an instructor very personal, very personal individual. Um, and then just, like I said, funny and taking such complex material and making it relatively simple to learn. So I give major kudos to Steve for starting me on that path. Uh, along the way, of course, I've now I've met <laughs> hundreds, as I mentioned, hundreds if not thousands of students. So they definitely light the fire for me uh, as the years go on here. They have, um, again, with their feedback, constructive feedback, positive and, and negative, all of their feedback really keeps me going in this field. So that continues to inspire me. Now on the what part of that, those are the who's, the what I would, I would turn to the field itself. So physiology, I still absolutely adore physiology. I, it's just a field you can't, you can't learn. And, and so I feel it from the medical students because they're learning physiology very quickly over the first two years. And then, and even, they, even if they had it as an undergrad, it's, it's just a field you can't grasp. So even after 20 years or so, or over 25 years now of learning it, I'm still absolutely intrigued by it. So I still like to pick up books and read all about physiology and I like to profess it. I think it's a, it's a wonderful field to sit in between of all the disciplines uh, that we do cover in medical school. And, and so, yeah, that, that does not help that I'm actually, or that, that is a huge help in that what I do and that the material that I'm actually talking about um, is, is just a, a brilliant, brilliant material. I love it. So in order to win this award, you had to receive a lot of nominations and testimonials from students and colleagues. Now I'm going to read you one and you tell me what you think. Mark is incredibly kind, personable, and willing to help and frequently volunteers to talk with team members and customer prospects about his experience using osmosis to support teaching and learning. When ICOM students transitioned suddenly to remote learning during the pandemic in spring 2020, Dr. Slipkoff sent his students personalized videos to cheer them on, sending messages of hope and providing personal connection during the time of quarantine. How does that make you feel? Well, it, it, it captures exactly what I was trying to do. <laughs> so yeah, I, was, I, I am a, a, a major fan of just being as transparent as possible with the students and letting them know that I am human just like them, you know, and I, I and I, I yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think a, a better way to say this and that I, I, I always want to try to connect with the students on any level that we can possibly connect at. So 
I have I have a background. It's it's not a it's not a silver spoon background. You know, I'm from a divorced family. My father died of alcoholism. So we, you know, so but those are those are issues that I don't mind talking to with my students so they can get to know me. So I think that the comment like that, I mean, it it recognize it's a comment that lets me know that I am recognized for who I am and that I'm I'm very open. Again, I'm very personable. And it's, you know, and outside of that comment, I've read other comments too. And I would say that many of the comments get me very, uh, they bring tears of joy. And I, I, that's literal too. I, I'm one to, uh, I'm a bit of a crier. I guess I thank my, my grandfather for that one. But there's, I have, I've received so many warm comments, including that one that just truly show how appreciative they are of me opening my, my heart, my life up to the students. And especially during the quarantine uh, in that I'm, like I said, I'm real, I'm, I'm human. I'm out here, I'm going through the same thing, but you can do this. So I'm a big fan of students despite the fact that whatever their struggles might be, that they can actually, they can, they can learn this material and they can hopefully become really, really good doctors out there. So I know that was a bit of a whirlwind of an answer there, but again, that was, that was just one response. Again, we, we did a big survey um, with osmosis, as a matter of fact, and we captured hundreds of comments and it was extraordinary what the students would say about me. And I still get just the best emails that really, again, light the fire for my teaching. And they do, they literally bring, bring me into tears. And as I talk about some of the comments, I get very emotional about it. So very appreciative. That's truly awesome. I hope you save those emails. They sound special. So osmosis has six core values. Start with the heart, spread joy, have each other's backs, imagine more, open your arms and reach further. Is there one or two of those that resonate with you? So I, two resonate with me the most, right? So I would say, the start, start with the heart, right? And that just comes down to actually caring, yes, caring about the students. Uh, I think they know I care about them. And that, I think that makes it easy for them to open up to me. I really, I truly care about their learning. Uh, so that one definitely resonates with me. And then with uh, another one, all of them resonate me, resonate with me, I, I believe. But then the other one with respect to opening your arms. So we welcome all learners and I can't, I can't emphasize that enough as you know, I'm in, in, we interview for new students coming to the university and we recognize just all the different, all the different types of students that enter medical school and from all different parts of life, all different parts of the world, all flavors of students. Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet all different, you know, such a huge, huge diversity of students as well. So and that that and that one I'm reading is yeah that is embracing the diversity that we could possibly build at, at many of our institutions here so that's a big one for me as well. I mean they all make very I mean and then spread joy I mean that's that's one of my jobs I think too because medical school is so stressful and with the quarantine being just adding to that stress someone has to be out there to try to spread the joy and remain positive and just let them know that life. Yes, it can be very cruel at times, but it is also a very beautiful thing to, to enjoy. So I'm definitely about spreading that, that positivity, or as Bob Marley says, uh, or sings positive vibrations. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Bob Marley. So that, that helped my travels through Africa helped get into that. So yeah, so I'm all about spreading the joy as well. They all resonate very, very clearly, which is why, why we're partnering with you, <laughs> as you probably know. So I'm a big fan. 
COVID has brought everyone some unique challenges to say the least. What has your experience been like? What have you learned and how have you overcome these challenges? The pandemic began after I finished my, almost my final physiology lecture in respiratory physiology. So this is very complicated material. So at the end of that first week of my course, the respiratory course, uh, the pandemic began. So we had to immediately transition into uh, remote learning. Initially, and, and still, we're still in that, in that phase of our education. Uh, the transition wasn't too bad for me. Uh, I, I have taught online before, so I know what it's like to kind of build a course and to, to do lectures online. So the initial transition wasn't too bad. But now I, I think over time, I, I'm learning that it is getting a bit old. <laughs> I, I'm, missing, I'm missing the classroom. I'm missing being in the lecture halls. I'm missing just being in the hallways and running into students with their random questions because of course the frequency of interaction goes down and has gone down tremendously. So, you know, I, I guess I've learned that I'm still in this till the end of the pandemic, right? So I'm not going away. And I've also learned that, I mean, despite the challenge with not being in person, I think you really can put yourself, you can still, still let the students know who, students who haven't met you, you can still let them know who you are. You can still put yourself in videos. I do that a whole bunch as mentioned in that comment earlier. So I do build videos for my students. I work in a lot of music. So I think we can connect a lot using music. Uh, I'm not afraid to put music in my videos, even if those are intros to whatever it might be, the physiology of the liver. I'm going to probably put myself and maybe some music in the background just so they know who I am. And I've got animals, so cats are always running around and I've built, I've had projects going on around the house so that I don't mind filming that material. So I, I do try to let them know uh, who I am still. So I've learned that you can still, you can still teach and I think you can still educate and motivate via online platforms. But I will add that it is getting a bit tiring, but we're in this for the long haul as, as most schools are, so. How about expanding on what all this has taught you? I, I, as I mentioned before, I think what, what I have learned is that it is still, you don't, we don't have to be in the classroom to get to know our students. And I, and that's, and I think there, I think students and faculty think that because we have to do our lectures online or we just do a screencast, you can definitely make it very, I guess, very passive. You can go through, just read whatever you're going to put project on the screen and make it a very passive, almost boring experience for the students. And I've learned that that's, you, that's not necessarily the path that we have to take. So I, I would rise to the challenge and, and say, you know, we are given these circumstances, so let's turn the tables and let's build active components into our lecture. So I guess I've learned more that it is possible to make your, your lectures relatively active, despite the fact that they are still kind of a one-way one -way dialogue. You know, in proof, there are lots of programs out there that are, you know, they're learning platforms and they definitely engage our learners. So I think, yeah, so again, if I want to use that term, I think we can still learn, or I think we can still engage our learners despite the fact that we are remote. And some students may never meet us. <laughs> and if they do meet us, we'll only see half their faces because everyone's wearing masks. <laughs> so that, I would say that's, and I would also add that I've also learned that this, I'm not, I won't be, pushed out of the field because we're remote right now. So I think a lot of teachers might be contemplating if this is the job for them, if it is all about remote now. So I've, I've learned that that's, that's definitely not going to be the case with me. That's good to hear. So what's next for you and your institution? 
Well, you know, I'm I'm deeply embedded in the teaching here, and you know, in my position, you you know, as a faculty member, you have a couple different paths to take. You can stay in teaching, and then there's that natural progression for a lot of folks, and they want to switch over to administration. You know, jump to that quote unquote dark side of education, depending on who you are. Uh, so, I don't think that path's for me, and I I think what I'm learning more about myself is that. And I'm definitely speaking very casually at this point. So I um, no, I, I think what's in line for me is to to continue teaching at the school. This is I'd like to stay put for a while at ICOM. So my immediate future, if not for the next decade, is to continue to grow the school. Uh, we are now at you know we're in our third class, so we're at a little over 450 students, and our school is starting to its existence is starting to reverberate throughout the valley. Uh, that, as you might know, we're the only medical school in Idaho, and so we're the only school in the area for sure. So we're we're watching our students go off, and I'm in touch with our third year students, so they're in the rotations, and then of course our second and first year students. So I'm here for the long haul. I hope in in continuing my role in the curriculum, you know, building our curriculum, being a big part of that curricular development, and uh, I, I'm. We're, our school is small enough, so I do have a big role in that, and working with the other faculty and staff and so forth. So I, I don't see that changing in, in the coming years here. I think the balance between uh, what we do at the school and using external resources, I'm a, I'm a big part of that also in the school. So I continue, I wanna continue to build partnerships with other learning systems. I know that we're, we partnered with Osmosis, of course, and others as well, but I, that's what I see, see me doing. I don't, I don't wanna jump ship. I'd like to stay here in Idaho and continue to watch our students progress especially as, become, as they become physicians in, in this part of the country or wherever they become physicians. So that's, that's my plan and the school's plan is we're growing very fast. We have, a, we have such a robust system in place here and at the school, I, from the beginning, it's, the organization has been tremendous. So we're, we've got some great leaders at the school and I can only see the school having a much bigger impact in the area, which is, I mean, doctors are sorely needed up here in this part of the country. I know you're in, you said you're in Portland, this whole region of, of the country, and there's just not a lot of docs. So hopefully we can, you know, hopefully our school can be a big part of that. So that's what I see in the, in the future here. No return to warm weather anytime soon. <laughs> the Caribbean awaits me someday, I am sure. So we want to give you a platform with this award. Is there anything you'd like our listeners to know? Anything you'd like to share? Well, I, you know, what, what I teach physiology, that's, that's relevant for all healthcare fields. And, you know, for me, it's job security. So I would, I mean, there's nothing different about our DOs and what they experience from me, a, a physiology instructor. I mean, all the resources are the same. They still have to go through the same board exams, of course. So from that perspective, it's all going to be um, the same concepts thrown at them. Yeah, that's a pretty loaded question. I don't really specifically have any any gaps to cover or anything that the audience might not know about DOs. I am happy to see. I know that our dean was interviewed by uh, osmosis as well, and I know that osteopathic medicine per se is getting much more attention, and mainly with this focus on primary care. So I, uh, I'm not a clinician, albeit I definitely can appreciate the fact that these schools are definitely geared towards getting our students into positions where they can help a lot of people who need the help at that, at that front line of medicine. And that is in primary care and not in those, in those specialties. So um, 
again, if I can give them the working knowledge so they understand what they're seeing out there in the world, of course, I have to, you know, we don't, we, we say we don't teach to the boards, but we know that's the bottleneck. So I have to make sure that they're doing really well on the boards. And then after the fact, I want them to make sure that, I wanna make sure that they remember some of that material that I, I once told them about. So I, I think that's what I, I have to add here. Nothing, nothing extraordinary, no, no new findings on my part. What advice would you give your students or any students really who are just now entering the medical field? I mentioned this earlier about just the positivity, I, I think, and even outside the pandemic, I, I think that in their role, they have to be a shining light. They really do need to be spreaders of positivity in whichever way that could be. I think they need to be really good teachers and explainers and good communicators. So I hope that they, they do. And I think they get the training and a lot of them come to medical school as great communicators anyway. So I think communicating that positivity and of course, uh, the science behind whatever they're discussing with their patients is of utmost importance. And I also think it's important that they remain humble. Uh, I, don't, I don't want their degrees to be a substitute for that humility. Uh, the degree is only a degree. It just means you know something a bit more than someone else. It doesn't make you a better person at all. Uh, there's no need to use the doctor for everyone you meet. Just say, my name is Mark. <laughs> you know, I'm Mark. Of course, there's, there's context where we use that differently, but I don't want them the, to think that just because they've attained a degree that that makes them superior in some way to any, anyone around them. So I think staying humble and spreading that positivity is of utmost importance. And again, keeping the communication alive with, with everyone around them. So to close this, is there anyone you would like to thank? Peers, students, maybe the Idaho College of Osteopathic Medicine? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, I've been at many schools, um, but this, this experience at ICOM has really, um, has really been my, my best experience. So I, I really feel like I'm almost at the pinnacle in my career right now. And I do appreciate uh, Dr. Luke Mortensen. He's the one who hired me, more or less. I interviewed with him to make that transition from AT Still University to ICOM. That was a big move for me and a big move for my family. And I appreciate that he he wanted me up here. And so we went ahead and, you know, and I, I took I took the chance and it's worked out tremendously. And and so uh, Dr. Mortensen, he he's an he's an amazing figure. He's he's been a very good mentor for me up here at the school. So I, I thank him. And then of course all my teaching colleagues. We have a great group up here in Idaho. Now teaching colleagues, including the PhDs, the MDs, the DOs who all teach alongside of me, and then our leadership. I couldn't ask for a better leadership. Usually there's, there can be a very big divide between leadership and the faculty. We don't really have that here. So I really appreciate all that they've done for me and allowing me to do what I do best to teach and to give me the, uh, yeah, give me the, the opportunity and the flexibility to to try out different products and try out different methods as we as we progress into the future. And then of course there's all the staff, you know, I can't the staff are awesome up here and that's IT and then all our our curricular folks, they are they have helped me or they facilitate my teaching tremendously. So I definitely appreciate all of them uh, at the school as well. And then of course uh, the students. And so those students who do speak up, write the emails or or give us feedback, give me feedback, give the curriculum feedback, however which, however which way that they're communicating with us. I greatly appreciate um, and, and thank them for sure. And I, 
you know, we I've, I've throw them out surveys randomly and they usually just jump in and do surveys for me. So uh, that is so appreciative for me to get feedback. So with that, and so those, those are the big thank yous right there. So absolutely, everyone's centered around my uh, current existence up here in, in Idaho. Thank you so much, Mark. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.